just let us drop into the body. You know, as when everybody is introducing themselves, I have a feeling like I'm coming a little bit outside of myself, making sure, you know, that everybody is called up to speak. And now I can settle back. Take a deep breath and enjoying the space, the little, the little community we have here. And there's so many people, you know, from my life kind of converging, like Shirley MacDonald, whom I know from when I was a novice nun over 30 years ago in England. And Liz Carey, who came to Aloka Vihara and stayed as a guest several times before we left that place and people who I recently just met at uh, Cloud Mountain for the retreat. So a whole spectrum of all the new friends. You know, and the Buddha is on record for having said, you know, that spiritual friendship, Sangha, is the most important element for the path, you know, to really be, that we are able to continue on the path. Without spiritual friendship, we wouldn't have the strength to keep going. And, you know, he's on record for having said that to his cousin and close friend and attendant, Ananda, who has been also very, very uh, supportive of the bhikkhunis, of the early Buddhist nuns. So he's a very important figure in the Buddhist history for, especially for female monastics. You know, and that principle of Sangha, you know, points out to us how important it is to surround ourselves with people in our lives who are expressing, you know, the same or at least similar values as ourselves in the way they live their lives. And I think, you know, our weekly gathering here is an example for that. Like a consciously created, quote unquote, we space. A consciously created container where we can, you know, align our energies and then attune together and see, you know, how we can heal, how we can become more open to what's happening at this time globally and also in our individual lives and not turn away from it. You know, knowing very deeply that this is also you know, where the healing lies. And not necessarily, you know, attending to every little detail, but generally, you know, developing the capacity to, you know, to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And that can be a virtual space like our space, or it can be a real material location like the Earth Room here in San Rafael, where we also meet, you know, on a weekly basis on Saturdays. Because, you know, being together in this way, virtual or in real life, is a, is a way of co-regulating.
you know, as you are sensing into your body, sitting here in your own space, wherever you are, you know, in Europe or in Oakland, just around the corner from here. I'm sure you can sense that there is a bigger space opened up through us meeting together in this way. And then inside of that bigger space, there's more capacity to be with our own experience directly. It's a sense of being, feeling reassured, feeling met, feeling seen. It's something very, very precious and very foundational for practice. And this is why Sangha is considered, you know, one of the three refuges. So, you know, supporting each other to explore new possibilities new possibilities of healing ourselves and also healing the wider culture in which we are embedded in. You know, and creating those pockets of sanity, those little pockets of sanity, you know, which know of each other and, you know, together we are weaving a network of uh, healing spaces so that we can attune to emergence, you know, can attune to that which wants to come through the cracks of the old systems starting to disintegrate. And then there's this network of pockets of sanity which are attuning into that emergence together. And that doesn't mean, you know, that we need to strain or work hard on that, but it's about being here, being open, and paying attention to that, which is still very, very, you know, gentle, a very quiet, new energy, you know, which is coming through the cracks. And, you know, if we don't have the reassurance from others, we might not even have the courage to really trust that this is what's happening. But then when we are sitting together like this, it gets amplified. And then there is more clarity coming through also that this is really there. It just isn't really tangible yet, but it shows its existence, you know, by us sensing into it not relying on the seeing, you know, seeing it with the eyes or hearing it with the ears, but sensing into it with the whole body. This is like an invitation, you know. 
And in, in biology, we have the phenomenon which is called refugium or in plural refugia. And that's like a, a phenomenon, you know, of regeneration of natural systems through these little pockets inside of the systems which have been, you know, impacted through some catastrophe or some uh, something like, for example, a explosion of a volcano. And, you know, in the 80s, when Mount St. Helens in Washington, you know, erupted, and covered, you know, like a big area with lava and ashes. Uh, scientists were assuming, you know, it would take several hundred years for nature to come back in those spaces. But what really happened is it took about 20 years and then these pockets inside of the lava fields started to sprout forth. These were like little, you know, little areas where there was maybe a boulder or a bush and then the ashes and the lava, you know, was very thin there or not existent in these very little pockets. And then out of those pockets, new vegetation emerged. And originally, you know, the scientists were thinking it would come from outside. Birds would drop seeds, wind would, you know, blow seeds into the field, but it was different. It came from inside. And, you know, we can be such a pocket of sanity. We can be such a refugium. And it's interesting, it's the same word as the refugees, the same, it's a Latin word for the same word. So this is very powerful. You know, the refuge of Sangha, which enables us to practice the refuge of Dharma, which means nature. And the refuge of Buddha, which is the capacity for awareness, the capacity to reflect on the fact, you know, that we can open ourselves and not, you know, believe into old patterns of thinking. We can open ourselves and see, you know, what wants to emerge into that openness, into that refugium, which we are holding together by meeting in this way, you know, every week. And some people come more often and some come once in a while and that's okay. The consistency, you know, if a group is like as large as our group is now about 20 people, there'll always be somebody. So we, you know, things can recover with very little resource sometimes. You know, just meeting in this way once a week and opening our minds in this way, we are supporting this emergence as many, many other groups are doing the same thing. We are being one of those pockets of sanity, and that's really a very worthwhile thing to do.
and checking in, you know, with your own body and your breath. And you know, building the capacity to connect with our direct experience in the moment. And, you know, tuning in. with our own bodies, which are not separate from the earth, from the planet earth, really landing here in this gathering. You know, and sensing the enrichment which comes from attunement. If you are always, you know, on to the next thing and never really stop and connect with what's happening, there's always a sense of poverty and, you know, not finding, not having enough. But if we can really stop and drop deeper, This is where we can find direction. You know, as uh, by Kumulafa, a very uh, beloved teacher, he says, times are urgent, let us slow down. Let us stop running, you know, in this, crazy pace, running, running, and not knowing where we are going. Just, you know, living out of habit, the, the wheel of samsara. And what we learn here together is to stop that running and dropping deeper into our bodies as expressions of the planet. As, as uh, Akumulafe calls it, uh, secretions of the planet. And through that very fact, you know, we are in total dialogue with the planet if we have the capacity to attune to it because we do have the equipment because our bodies are parts of the planet. They are the planet in constant exchange. And this is something to really investigate because once we stop and take that in, it makes a lot of sense. kind of a direct communication line which doesn't go you know through the dualistic thinking mind it's a different way of dialoguing it's dialoguing with the intuition with the heart with the whole being and that's you know what allows emergence and then over time, it translates itself into 
whatever is the right thing for the individual, whatever the gifts and the medicines are we have been given at this birth, this is how we show up. This is how we contribute. We don't have to invent something new, but just by really attuning into that emergence, we call it forth into a more clear expression through the way we can show up. And, you know, allowing ourselves to be surprised. And, you know, this is where we really need the support of the community of the Sangha so we can have the courage, you know, to allowing ourselves to be surprised. You know, since I have been studying uh, the Aloka Earth Room, I've been surprised many times. And, you know, the biggest surprise is that Heather is now here with me for a year uh, studying a lay renunciant training with a ceremony on this upcoming weekend. That was not at all planned, you know, but it fits so well into everything what's happening here. But we both didn't know that this is what we're going to do. But that was a very good example for me to really trust into that emergence. And holding, you know, holding the uh, principles, holding the refugees, holding the precepts, and then seeing, you know, what emerges into that holding space. Just by simply, you know, bringing the capacity to sense and feel more fully back into our lives. Particularly, you know, being able to be with the highs and the lows. And, you know, really knowing that the suppression of that is really which... It's really that which makes exploitation and racism and capitalism and all of those inhumane systems, which makes it possible by just shutting down, you know, and thinking we have to just get through it by not feeling it, by not sensing it. And then, you know, we get more and more numb one more disconnected, one more impoverished. One more shut down. So allowing that uh, 
feeling and sensing to come alive again. That's what we need in the world right now. But it's you know true willingness to stand on this threshold of a new narrative, you know, becoming palpable. And then you know, using the Buddhist teaching, the core teaching which is timeless, uh, the Dhamma is timeless, but the cultural representation changes with the narrative, with the cultural narrative. You know, the how, I did, how I've received the Dhamma when I started in Asia, you know, like over 30 years ago, it was a very, very deeply patriarchal affair. And that's one of the things which need to really change as the narrative changes. As the earth, you know, as a living being comes more into the center of our consciousness. So, you know, sensing, if you're coming here, I think you are in tune with this. And, you know, sensing your own willingness in your own body, that you already kind of know that this is what takes you here. Even you mightn't really be able to, you know, come up with some clear sentences about it. But in your body, you already know, you're already sensing that. And then it might also bring up some fear and doubt at times, which is part of that. This attunement, you know, this dropping deeper. And that's why we need to do it together. When the fear and the doubt come up, maybe not everybody at the same time is in fear and doubt, so we can just hold on, you know, a little bit to someone else and hitch a ride. That's, you know, what Sangha is all about. It's crucial, you know, for our individual health and for planetary health. And I think, you know, that's why uh, Thich Nhat Hanh has said, 
the next Buddha is going to be the Sangha. There won't be like big leaders anymore. There'll be lots of pockets of sanity. You know, leading together by weaving these networks. And as you look into your own life and your own sangha, your own community, you know, notice where this is already present. You know, it's by very simply noticing that you have taken the time to be here today. You have taken the time to be here today for some reason. Then honoring that, you know, that kind of knowing in yourself by really recognizing it, it will become more palpable if you recognize it. It's just like, you know, when you Let's say you have a new little puppy and then you start calling it a certain name. It needs a bit of time for the puppy to respond, you know. And that's what we need to do with that, uh, that knowing we have already in the body. Because this emergence is showing up. And we can sense it. In particular, when we are as a group, it's easier. It's like an amplifier. So honoring the awareness that there's something calling you, which means that you already know something. And at this point, you know, in this uh, the history of this group, that's what we are doing to nourish that, to receive it, to recognize it. to host it. the new narrative which wants to emerge and be lived.
that you already have connected with that in yourself. That's what brought you here. You already have that. And you already have like a place where you can come with it. And the place in yourself, you know, you can come back to. And that this calling, you know, is a is a spiritual resource for your own healing and for the for planetary healing. You know, as it shows up in this pocket. So just, you know, sitting and feeling, sensing that which calls you, which calls us. That's an important resourcing practice for us. You know, with the in-breath, we are breathing that up. and into the whole body. And with the outbreath, we can just let go of any tension, any doubts, any fears. Letting go of thoughts. Like, an, like our whole being becomes an expression of an invitation. And also you know, being aware of the space, the space in this room, which doesn't end at the wall of the room, the walls of the room, but goes on limitless.
and listening into the space as well. There is the body and the space are uh, kind of losing you know any kind of contours or bound there's no boundaries. And then, you know, also letting go of the spaciousness and just uh, becoming aware of that which knows about the space. It's like almost if making a, a U-turn. Awareness, becoming conscious of itself, like uh, a mirror, becoming conscious of its capacity to reflect. without being changed by that which is reflected. So rising and ceasing, there's that knowing, this effortless knowing, which we call another refuge in Buddha.
with it wide open. Knowing. You know, which doesn't charge, which doesn't pick and choose. It just knows. It allows this movement, this flow of life to happen. And out of that, you know, fully turning towards the next step will emerge in the way which is right for you or for me. Our gifts, our medicines, what we bring in this lifetime, how that can be expressed. In our circumstances. And that's what's yeah, that's the mystery about this practice, about all spiritual practice. It's you know through really opening and not resisting the lows and the highs. The response emerges. Which is called uh, in the Buddhist teaching, it's called the uh, Noble Eightfold Path, the middle way between extremes. The extreme of turning away and suppressing, and the extreme of holding on and going under.
just you know inviting also all of our ancestors you know the buddhist ancestors from whom we received this teaching you know coming down to us from iron age india over 2500 plus years and our own you know ancestors in our family line who gave us these bodies which you know we have been developed on this particular planet you know for over four billion years we have received so much and it's already working just need to hold it in the right way this powerful uh, equipment we've got we are that equipment we are those bodies they are can be compared to biocomputers very complex evolutionary energy expressions which if we are looking at them in a different way, they reveal new possibilities. And, you know, that's why we meet. So, you know, being a good ancestor and able to provide something for the next generations to stand on as they are going to more fully, you know, embody this shift, which we are just feeling the beginnings of. They, they really need our support. That's our work to do. And then, you know, in a moment or so, I'm going to ring the bell. So coming back into the body more fully and uh, sensing the weight on the cushion, on the chair.
and you know and those who are with me in this group since the very beginning like Heather and Jack Andrea and a few at Crystal few Katrina few others of you you know do maybe you can sense you know how that uh, attunement has become more uh, has gained some depth you know as we have been doing this now since uh, the end of April of this year there were about like I think maybe like 28 meetings or so 27 28 29 and there's a response a palpable response and this can be, you know, a vessel to receive that response, however it wants to show up, because we don't know. And you know, I want to dedicate, you know, the good energy of our work today for the COP28, which is going to start tomorrow in Dubai from November 30th to December 12th. And the whole situation doesn't look very promising, but it's something which needs to happen. And we can you know, observe and share the good energy and the sincerity of our aspirations with all of those people. I think it's be over 70,000 people attending. You know, for the benefit of all sentient beings.